to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Darren Korb for Hades, the 2020 roguelite from Supergiant Games. In addition to doing the music, Darren also voiced the main character, Zagreus, and another character named Skelly, who helps you in the training room, among other things. Full disclosure, this interview took place in November of 2021 and is just now seeing the light of day for reasons. We're glad to share it with you now. Hades is such a wonderful experience. I love this game. The story gets deeper and deeper with each run you do. The other Olympians who help you along the way, for the most part, are absolutely fabulous, and I really just loved all the characters in the game. And of course, the music is great. Darren Korb always writes just wonderful music for for each of these supergiant games. And, and I love how metal this soundtrack gets at times, but I also really appreciate the acoustic Mediterranean instruments that Darren uses to bring us to the world of Hades, the underworld. Ashley Barrett is back to sing, just like she did on Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre. And Darren brought in a couple of Shredder guitar players to amp up one version of the final boss battle. It's all so, so good. I am, to this day, just one trophy away from Platinum, and I'll have to be sure I knock that out before the recent release of Hades 2, which hopefully will happen in 2024. Join us on Discord. That link is in the show notes. You can find us on YouTube. There's no video of this particular chat because it was recorded before we started recording video of our chats. Uh, but we do have plenty of videos up on YouTube. Go check those out uh, over at uh, YouTube. And if you can support us financially on Patreon, that would be great. Patreon.com slash level. Here's Darren Korb talking about his music and acting for Hades. Hades is a rogue light, technically, uh, where it's a game where you play until you die and you start over. But you retain some progress from run to run, so that's what makes it a rogue light. Uh, you play as Zagreus, the son of Hades, and the the lord of the underworld. You know, and you're trying to escape your dad's realm because he's a real jerk, and uh, you want to get to the surface. That's sort of where you are dropped into the game at the, at the start. Yeah, and I mean, there is a ton of repetition, like you say, mm -hmm. but it's handled in just really creative ways, in my opinion. So how did that repetition play into then the soundtrack? That was something that I really was conscious of when composing for it and 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 deciding how to implement the music because I knew that we were making a game that players could play infinitely, essentially, or for hundreds of hours if you wanted to, you know. And I was only going to write a couple hours of music you know, give or take. <laughs> so how, how can you make that interesting the entire time that a player is playing it? How will you make it so they don't get sick of the music? And partially one of the ways that we decided to tackle that was by implementing the music as sort of randomized, semi-randomized stems, basically. So for example, you know, just the sort of music that plays when you're fighting through the various biomes of the game. Ha each one has three sections that can loop and then advance to the next section at a after a certain number of chambers or when a certain type of event happens, right? So 
there's like a really kind of anticipatory, kind of pulsing, quiet section that begins each piece that can play. It's got some shakers, light percussion, you know, it has like a pulsing bass and it has like a little, some pads, you know, on three separate stems. It's got like a, what we call a guitar stem, a bass stem, and a drum stem, essentially, containing those three com- components. And uh, so what'll happen is is you know, that first section will loop for a few chambers, and then it will advance to the sort of song proper, the piece properly, which is the sort of folk arrangement of the piece with sort of Mediterranean folk instruments, more active percussion, real bass happening, um, and that's the full structure of the song, and that will loop until you get to a mini boss or a boss, and then it will kick into a hard rock version of that same uh, that same piece. Uh, and what the way the stems work is that they can play essentially when you enter a chamber that has enemies, the drums will play, and then some combination of the other two stems or zero of the <laughs> other stems will play. So it's either you know, and and it's randomized each chamber. And each one, the only requirement is it has to be different than whatever happened in the last chamber. So every single chamber, you're getting a slight sort of remix of how the music is playing back. And and the idea is that the combination of the drums turning on and off to sort of score the fighting, the piece advancing through the sections as your run increases in intensity, and as you get deeper into the run... And the randomization of the stems playing back, all that combined will help you experience the pieces in very different ways, even if you're hearing them for the hundredth time, the tenth time, the whatever, you know. Um, and so that combined with having some pieces that play, like, for example, when you start a run, that piece will play 100% of the time you start a run. And it'll play for the first few chambers. Because we wanted to have some themes, and then we wanted to have sort of you know, some aspects of it that are more randomized, kind of like the rest of the experience, you know, is, is semi-randomized, you know. So in a nutshell, that's sort of how I approached <laughs> how I approached that. It's sort of like it was a big question for me, and that's kind of where we ended up. handle then implementing and I mean so you were very active in that uh, decision making process yeah I sort of conceived of the way we might implement it and worked with Greg uh, Greg Kasavin and, and Gavin Simon to sort of get it all functioning properly uh, and then you know we have a, a few exceptions to that right you know you get to the shop and the shop music plays and you get, you know, things, other things will interrupt it. You know, you get to a story chamber and the story chamber music plays and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but for the most part, that's kind of how, how it works. Yeah. And you mentioned the different biomes and that's something that's Mm -hmm. really important in this game as well, because, you know, you start obviously in the underworld 
and then you advance to something that's still quite a bit like hell. And then, you know, eventually you get to Elysium, which is very beautiful and colorful yep. in a different yep. way. The whole game is as very super giant. It <laughs> tends to be very colorful. Yeah. Um, but Elysium is very, is the closest to Earth, right? Yeah, yep. And then there's actual Earth. So, yeah. um, you know, talk, talk us through the musical changes as those biomes change. Yeah, so, the you know, each biome... Uh, practically speaking, has like a has a playlist of tracks available for that biome, essentially, and it'll just kind of go through them and then start over uh, with the next time you get there, or you know, the next time uh, we do have like a mid biome switch usually of once once you could be, defeat the mini boss, that piece will end, and then another piece from that biome will begin. But but I tried to give each biome its own identity musically. Um, Tartarus. Uh, Tartarus is very, it's got a kind of a maze-like quality and it's sort of like, you know, tight shifting chambers and and I wanted it to have, there's some of the weirdest time signature stuff is happening in Tartarus, um, in particular uh, the track Out of Tartarus, <laughs> uh, which has uh, mostly a 21.8 uh, compound meter as the time signature, which is, which is, uh, it's pretty funky. Is that uh, the one? I'm gonna. Is that the? Because I know there's one that goes four 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 five eight. Is maybe that's that one? Well, this the, like da 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 da. Yeah. So it's yeah. You can count it. You can count it a bunch of different ways. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I count it like. Yeah, I count it like it's like. I guess I count it as. Yeah, it's just I count it as twenty one eight. I don't know. Like one two one two one two three one two one two three one two three one two one two one two is how I count it. Word. I was on my walk the other day trying to count it out. Finally, I'm like, listen, just use your fingers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Some of them are more straight ahead, but but I wanted that one. I I really tried for that one. I wrote all those pieces starting with the folk instrument arrangement of it. Okay, and use that to sort of lead uh, in that biome. For Asphodel, that one is the one that's more like proper hell, you know, like lob, like magma and just like a burning stuff and skeletons and, you know, it, it's yeah. more like, it's got more of that vibe. So I, I wanted there to be big, like, you know, I, I have like a wink and a nod to Diablo 2 with the big, like, <laughs> dr- you know, big reverbed out toms and stuff and big giant drums um, that happen throughout. And that one I have like weird percussion stuff. Like, I think one of the... One of the things I play on one of the tracks is uh, it's like an empty can of La Croix (laughs) 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 with a bunch of reverb on it. I'm like tapping at it with my fingers um, and, you know, things like that. So I I wanted there to be some some unease to that. Um, Yeah. 
coupled with the sort of big, big giant drums that I associate with that, that kind of thing, big reverbed out drums. And then, and that one has more like, uh, I would describe the riffs as more serpentine, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> That's the, to, the, the, uh, hydra, the hydra. Yeah. Yes. So, yep. so I wanted to kind of like lead to that musically, if that makes sense. The, a yeah. lot of the riffs are more, for lack of a better word, snaky. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Melismatic, um, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And and um, and so, you know that that was sort of what I used to, I, for for the identity for myself for that biome, and then for uh, for the following biome, uh, Elysium, I wrote all of the rock parts first and extrapolated backwards because oh, I wanted them. I wanted to make sure that this piece feels like when you're fighting a minotaur, like that's what the you know like. <laughs> And so, and then, the, you know, this, this piece feels, you know, so I, so I kind of tailored those pieces specifically to the boss moments to make sure that those were going to be right. And I wanted those to be the most like kind of straight ahead rocking pieces. Um, cause, cause the sort of the enemies you're fighting are like a little bit more righteous in, in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted that, the, the music to feel a little bit more righteous. So yeah, that's kind of how mentally I, I define that stuff. And then sticks, the sticks biome has just this the one piece, which is also a very strange time signature again to kind of reflect the the weird this like yeah. the snaky the weird tunnels labyrinthine kind of tunnels you go through and stuff and and just to make it make you feel pretty uncomfortable. It's like an icky biome. It is. And I wanted the ickiness reflected in the in the music. Um, <laughs> I have some really messed up uh, sounds happening in that one and some some weird uh, some weird time signature stuff going on there. get to uh, the surface uh, for the boss fight, you know, I, I wanted that that particular piece to be reflective of the the main theme of the game, to kind of bring it all back. You, the theme you've heard over and over again, because it's the main menu theme, it's the theme that plays when you die, it happens like a couple other times, so you've heard it over and over and over again, and then it's the it's the boss fight music, you know, so I wanted to, to, to kind of bring it all home and tie it all back to that.
And then, of course, if you pass the boss fight, um, there's there's a really there's a change to reflect the surface. You know, I really wanted to change the palette around on the surface, and so and, much it's so different. Yeah, and yeah. and it's it's brand new for me too because it's the first time I've ever done anything orchestral at all. Um, oh, I've wow. never I've never worked with with. Uh, with like any players <laughs> before, <laughs> so so um, that was a real experience, and I could talk uh, just a, a whole bunch just about that. But it was it was a lot of fun. I, I, I Austin Wintry arranged. Uh, did the arrangements for me on that one. He helped me with the, the orchestral nice. arrangements and conducted uh, that session. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, yeah, and it was, it, was a, it was a blast working with him, and as well as the end theme um, uh, in yes. Blood. Uh, and he, he arranged the orchestral parts for that one and conducted that stuff as well. So I saw an opportunity to to really change the vibe there and, and to really have that moment be like a big giant, both as beautiful as possible and like a big sigh of relief and like a kind of like a just like a to, to reflect the feeling that the player would have getting to that point finally, uh, you know, and that, that was my goal and to and also to to really hit home the emotional significance of what's happening there with Zagreus and, and all of that stuff and, and to, to reflect that. And then, and then the, the end theme is meant to tie that music, which is the sort of the, the theme of that character that you meet there after defeating the, the boss, uh, with the main theme, which is sort of the theme of, of the boss. <laughs> I'm trying to be as spoiler free as possible it's all good. Um, and combine them together, you know, uh, because they're the, that that's the sort of uh, goal is to sort of like bring, bring that, that back together, you know, kind of reunite um, mm-hmm. those two characters. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when I started playing it for the first time, I, it, it took me a while to really kind of grasp how long of a game this really is. I mm-hmm. mean, you're, yep. And and also how um, I feel like it's structured really well in that mm-hmm. you can sit down for 20 minutes and mm-hmm. play a run or mm-hmm. 30, you know, something like that. Yeah. You can stop in a run if you want. And, but yeah. um, <clears throat> pardon me, but it's the, the it's there's a long game that you want to play there. And, yeah. you know, that's a diff. And I guess I mean, in some ways, Bastion was like that, too. And if I really think about it, but mm. in a very different way. Right. I mean, yeah. this game is a little. A uh, little more prolonged in that in that way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Certainly, it's it. You know, this is the first time we've tried to make a game like this. I mean, we 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 kind of dipped our toes a little bit with Pyre, trying to make a game that was bigger than we'd made before and had more sort of variance and stuff. But but we kind of didn't really go fully commit to that idea and, and the idea of making a game that you recurse through over and over again, you know, that was part of the goal was to, can we, can we support this gameplay mechanic with narrative and how much narrative do you need to do that 
and how do you dole that narrative out in a way that's efficient for you to sort of not just run out of narrative really quickly? And how do you, like, there were all these big questions. And so we ended up, I think, with around 22,000 lines of voiceover wow. um, in Hades. And uh, it's a lot for us. You yeah. know, we, it's it's kind of quite a bit more than we had in any of our previous games. Um by by you know by by a lot <laughs> and uh and you know we it, it's one of those things where we just sort of had we known it was going to be that much when we set out to do it we maybe like wouldn't have set yeah. out to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but just cuz we did it throughout the process over the course of the 3 year 3 give or take development cycle uh it just sort of, you know, and we did it in early access and it, we just kind of just kept going and going and going and adding and adding and adding. And it sort mm-hmm. of added up to this fairly massive uh, narrative experience. You can play for, you know, a hundred hours and not really hear that many repeated lines. You know, you're hearing kind of new content for much of that time. Yep. Um, and, and even if you do play for a ton, like hundreds of hours, there's still some narrative content that like you'll they'll like little special stuff that you have to do very specific things to access. And, wow. and so, so there's really a lot of surprises in there for people who, who are interested in kind of really digging in and, and stuff. So, and, and, and for us, I think part of it is a lot of that stuff is sort of strictly unnecessary. Um, but the stuff that is, feels like, when, when the player feels like you're looking at them and seeing them and seeing the specific thing that they're doing and you respond to that, some of that stuff, even though it is definitely not necessary, <laughs> some of that stuff, some of that stuff yeah. is the most exciting, I think, as a player to encounter in a game when the, when the game is seeing you and really paying attention to what you're doing. And, and we try to have some of that stuff in each of our games, you know. Uh, even even in you know in Bastion at the very beginning when you fall off the edge and the narrator talks about it and the, you know and all that <laughs> stuff it's 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 been there from the beginning but but we tried you know we really tried to reflect that you know there's a, there's a thing where you you start beating Megara you know she says well you're only beating me because you're using the mirror it's not fair you know and if you go if you like go home and you like turn off all your powers on the mirror. And then you go back and fight her. She'll say something about it. She'll be like, "Oh, all right, a fair fight," you know. <laughs> so, so yeah. we, we really we would try to try to, and a lot of that was born out of early access. I think where we'd have these scenarios that we'd see happening, and we'd want to like support that, yeah. you know, yeah. narratively. about some specific tracks but mm-hmm. I you know you mentioned just working with the orchestra and how you could yeah. just talk about that for a while yeah. too and I'd oh, love yeah, yeah. to because sure um, yeah I mean what was that experience like to think I guess outside the realm of of how you normally compose yeah you know it was sort of it came about in a strange way like we I had done, with Austin, he had sort of helped me produce this 10th anniversary show 
for Supergiant, which was like a orchestral arrangements of songs from the first 10 years of Supergiant. And we did a mm-hmm. performance at PAX East and it was, a, or PAX West 2019. Yep. And it was a ton of fun. And, and, and we had such a great time with it and we we're so pleased with the arrangements. We thought, oh man, we should record an album of this stuff. That would be awesome. So we ended up uh, recording, deciding to record an album uh, and, and it, it turned out that it made sense for us to record at Abbey Road in London <laughs> uh, which was, you know, like yeah. a bucket list, incredible dream of mine. Wow. Uh, and and partially to justify that, I was like, well, I should probably write some Hades tracks that we can record there at the same time, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I thought, you know what? What a perfect, because I was looking for like a very significant palette change when you get to the surface. So this is a perfect opportunity. I can use this as that, you know? Yeah. And so so I had the idea to write, the theme, um, you know, on the coast uh, for orchestra, for chamber orchestra, and then also to incorporate chamber orchestra into the end theme because of, you know, the, the, the reasons I mentioned earlier, um, mm-hmm. trying to combine the, the, the two palettes, you know, yeah. uh, for, the, for the end of the game. And it was such an incredible experience. You know, working with Austin was a blast. You know, I, I kind of did a rough mock-up of what I thought for, you know, when I was writing on the coast, I did my sort of rough mock-up and Austin kind of sweetened it up a little bit and added some flourishes and did like some more, you know, f- proper arranging and, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, uh, and same with, uh, same with in the blood, you know, I kind of mocked up the stuff that I thought should be happening, uh, orchestrally and Austin just kind of sweetened it up and added just, you know, rad Austin, Austin-y stuff to it. <laughs> um, that horn line that, that ascending, uh, trombone line, yeah, uh, you know that's his. That's uh, that's got Austin's, you know, Austin's <laughs> signature on it. Yeah, he he's he's so great to work with. Because he 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 and I just have very different approaches, you know, and so it's yeah, it's really fun to work with, you know, because yeah. we get along really well, and and um, and it's very fun to work with someone who has like a very different skill set, yes, from, from you know, has a whole different area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so anyway, he conducted the session. You know, I was there. We were at Abbey Road. We recorded wow. the album and those two tracks in two uh, two days at Abbey Road. It was like one of the best things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it was in studio two, like where the Beatles recorded wow. all, all of their albums, except for one. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was like, a you, we did the pictures on the stairs, you know, we like <laughs> the whole thing. Um, and Ashley and I were just looking at each other like, I, we can't believe we're here. You know, what is happening? Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just such a, such a delight. And we recorded all the vocals, um, like live in ISO oh, rooms wow. while the orchestra was so, so we did, you know, in the blood and stuff, we recorded there, nice. you know, okay. um, vocals, uh, vocally as well. So, um, the, I did the, the rock tracks before, but, uh, okay. but, but everything else was recorded there. Um, and yeah, so it was, um, it was just such a joy, you know, to, to, to hear, to have music that I wrote 
be f- originally recorded at Abbey Road. I mean, th- there's a there was a difference between the tracks that were like rearranged and then recorded at Abbey Road and the stuff that I wrote f- intending for it to be recorded at Abbey Road by yeah. this incredible chamber orchestra. It's very it just wow. felt like a like a subtle a subtle difference yeah. emotionally for me and and it was really um it was just such a blast um to do and and I really am uh so pleased that I was able to squeeze that in just before the pandemic hit. Right. Um, uh, because if I, if I had, you know, it certainly wouldn't have turned out that way had I waited like two more months or whatever. That was in January that we recorded that stuff, January 20th okay. and 21st, I believe of 2020. Yeah. So yeah, just another month or two later, you know, month and a half later, yeah. there would have been no, uh, there would have been no, definitely not, not ha- would have been happening. <laughs> would have been happening. Wow. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I was I was pleased to, you know, <laughs> squeeze that Sneak in right out of the yeah. wire. Yeah, right. No kidding. God, yeah. what a mess. Yeah. Um, you know, you sort of addressed this a little bit, but on the soundtrack itself, the t- some of the tracks are really long, like eight yep. nine minutes long. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. talk about assembling those then after yeah. the fact, right? Yeah. Well, you know, um, <laughs> a lot of them are long, partially due to the the structure that we decided to go with in for the tracks in the game. You know, all, all the biome pieces have that sort of intro section. They have that folk arrangement version of the piece, and then they have the rock arrangement version of the piece, and both of those sections are the same length, usually. Gotcha. So what is a intro, like a 30-second intro plus like a five-minute piece of music ends up being like a 30-second intro plus a 10-minute piece of music because, <laughs> you know what I mean? So Yes. So, yes. Uh, so everything's kind of doubled. So... And, and, you know, I, I deliberately wanted to make the pieces a little bit longer because I, I knew the players were going to hear them a bunch and potentially I, I didn't really want them to loop much during the course of experiencing the piece. Like they could, you know, maybe loop once or twice, but I, you know, more than that would be excessive. I feel like in a, in the course of a run and it's possible to take a while in, in certain chambers, you know, especially like when you're just starting out. You know, you're if you're maybe you can survive, but you're you haven't got unlocked like the good boons yet or whatever. And so you're <laughs> yeah. just your damage output's not very high. So I just wanted to make sure that the pieces could stand up to playing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of it. Um, you know, I think the longest piece that 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 to me is is a, a single thought that changes the whole time is is God of the Dead. or something, you know, um, like that. And it has different, it has different sections that are all different music, whereas yep. the other pieces have like a kind of two sections that are essentially the same piece, just arranged differently. Um, and God of the Dead was was a ton of fun to put together. I knew I wanted a section that would represent the first phase of the fight. I knew I wanted a section that would, there's a little transition between the first and second phases. I knew I wanted a second phase of the fight which would, you know, kind of crank it up to 11 as much as possible. Um, (laughs) And then, and then I wanted like a resolution kind of section, you know, cool down, like a, to cover the narrative moment at the end of the fight. Um, And so 
you know, it was fairly clear to me, like the mission, you know, and I, and the first section of the fight, again, it's meant to reflect that main theme of the game, but it's, uh, as heavy as possible is, was my approach. Like I want to take the main theme of the game and just make it rock as hard as I can. Um, and be really like, you know, like you're digging it and, you know, it's still, still slow and it's maybe not what you expect for, for a boss fight because it is so, so it's like sludgy to a degree. Uh, and then, of course, the second phase, you know, it, it really hits the fan, and and uh, <laughs> I want I want the moment when you sort of see the boss's health bar fill back up to 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 be oh, reflected man. musically and be like, oh, it's on, oh no, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And so so for that second phase, I just kind of I wrote a riff and then like tried to play it. How fast can I play this riff and have it? still sound cool you know like and then <laughs> yeah. i dialed it back about like 10 percent, and that's the tempo i would settled on you know for that second <laughs> phase you know? yeah. oh that second phase the surprise of everyone's yeah. face as that happens yeah. you're like yeah. really okay yeah yeah okay. yeah <laughs> i guess i'm gonna do this again i guess i'm gonna die now And and uh, if if you get to the point where you can turn on extreme measures four, right? Uh, then that that piece, that piece kicks in in the third phase. Um, nice. Which yeah. which is you know it's that same moment again, but like turned up to fourteen instead of eleven. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I can't wait for that. I haven't gotten yeah. quite that far. Yeah, yeah. To have that many of the levels of extreme measures yeah, yes, dialed yes. in. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, that's amazing. I guess on that note, talk to me about your relationship with metal because this is so much fun to hear. It, It obviously was so much fun to play. So it was, yeah. 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 You know, it's interesting. Like I, I'm not much of a metal head necessarily. Like I do really like certain artists, metal artists, you know, I, I, I love myself some Dio, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoy like some metal adjacent things. I, I, I enjoy some rush. I enjoy, you know, like I, I like, you know, kind of, yeah. kind of like, like, you know, some Ozzy and Sabbath and stuff, you know, like kind of proto, like early metal and things like that. Sure. Um, even like Led Zeppelin is sort of like maybe like, you know, very kind of early, like a hinting at metal, you know, it's like blues forward, like heavy blues, but kind of, kind of yeah. like contains some of the roots of the metal stuff. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the hard rock stuff and, and certainly I, oh, I, and, and I do like, uh, in particular, Rust in Peace by Megadeth is like a, I really like that <laughs> album actually. Is it for, and I, and I, I, I definitely leaned on some of that for, for trying to figure out what the some of the boss music and stuff like that was gonna gonna sound like, um, but but yeah, I mean, I I'm not, you know, like I, it's interesting. I became a lot more um, interested in metal, or I don't want to say tolerant of metal because it implies <laughs> that I kind of couldn't tolerate it before. But I, I, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just I just was never like it didn't grab me 
earlier in life, but I sure over the year, you know, over the past sixteen years or whatever, playing a bunch of Guitar Hero and Rock Band. <laughs> yeah. I've actually become like more of a fan of a lot of that stuff because it's fun to, you know, it's it's music that is designed, I think, partially to just be fun to play. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh and obviously to like it's supposed to feel, you know, make you feel a certain way and <laughs> and and uh bang your head and and everything. And and so, you know, I've I've been exposed to a lot more metal through get through rock band than I I you know, than than <laughs> if I great. hadn't played a bunch of rock band. So yeah. So um so, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I'm, I became familiar with stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise sought out, um, through, through playing rock band for years and years and years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, a lot of the heavy stuff is influenced more, more by like grunge, like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and like things like that. Like, yep. like even though the music I'm making is sort of edging more towards metal, it's it's a lot of that stuff that's the stuff that really like the heaviness of that music I find to be really delightful, um, and and for and me slower you know, too. Sorry, it is I don't slower, mean to yeah. interrupt, but yep. yeah, much slower. And much slower, yes. Grungier. A lot of it's much slower and grungier. Yeah. Yep. So 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 yeah. I mean, I I tried to incorporate. You know, I have a lot of a lot of influences there, but I, I listen to specifically when trying to achieve like a certain type of heaviness. I listen to there's the I think it's like the first. Um, I forget if it's the first or second Alice in Chains record with the with William Duvall, like the new singer, oh. um, like where they reformed. Okay, like, w- I forget which album it is, but one of those is so heavy. It's so wow. it's like okay. it's just like got such incredible, just like the heaviest riffs and production, and it's just like, and I just had to I like listen to that like trying to analyze why it was so heavy and try to figure out how I could make something extremely heavy like this, you know. <laughs> um, and so, so that was that was a, an interesting sort of production and, and writing exercise for me to just like try and like how can I achieve maximum heaviness? Like, what are the <laughs> the ways to do this in this context, right? With the sort of sort of Mediterranean vibe right. uh, mixed in there. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I looked at that stuff. You know, I you know, funky time signatures. You know, Soundgarden uses a lot of those, and Rush, yep. of course, does that too. And and trying to like figure out a way to incorporate these these strange time signatures. Cause I really, that was a, a goal. I really wanted to, 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 um, to incorporate funky time signatures in, into the game because they have this propulsive motion, this propulsive feeling to them where you, you can't rest. Like there's never a spot to rest, you know, four, yeah. four, there's certainly some four, four in the game, but, but you know, just the unease of listening to something in a strange time signature propelling you forward, you know, all, kind of a feeling of like stumbling almost, falling. Exactly, like you're skipping a step. Yes. Or you have a shortened step. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So so I, I really wanted that to be reflected in the music and because I thought that would help, you, you know, uh, reinforce the feeling of playing the game essentially is just, mm-hmm. just enhance the feeling of, being on the edge of your seat, you know, this, this intense, uh, combat that was like high stakes combat. So that was part of the goal for me. So I, I looked at, at that kind of stuff. And then, and then when I wanted to go full blast on, on like God of the Dead, that uh, section two, I looked at, I looked at, at stuff like, uh, you know, Megadeth and, and, uh, and Rust in Peace. Nice. Um, as in particular as like my main sort of touchstone for, for w- what I wanted to achieve there in terms of, 
you know, craziness. <laughs> yeah, and heaviness and weight. So what yeah. are some of the, I guess, tricks isn't really the right word, or maybe techniques mm. that mm. Uh, you did kind of learn from to, to do stuff like that? Well, <laughs> it's interesting. I, I don't know that I can describe <laughs> any specific thing that I took away. It's more like I was trying to absorb vibes. Yeah. And, and, and just sort of, you know, if, if my piece made me kind of make a face and bob my head in a particular way, like it did when I was listening to that Alice in Chains record, then I kind of knew I was on the right track. Okay. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. if, if, for lack of a better description, that's sort of how I gauged it. Nice. Yeah. While I was doing my homework, just to make sure I knew exactly what was what here, uh, I literally had, because uh, I've met you in person, like I've yeah. spoken with you, this is the f- at least the fourth time I've interviewed yeah. you, Yeah. Uh, but yet I had no idea that you were the voice of the main character, Zagreus, <laughs> yeah. yep. or uh, a character who helps Zagreus along the way, this yep. skeleton named Skelly, Skelly who's yes. basically like a New York... <laughs> film noir dude, right? So, but Zagreus is, you know, sort of pomp and British-esque and, yeah, you know, yeah. refined and, yeah. uh, but yeah, tell me about, uh, getting to voice those two characters. It was, it was a ton of fun. I mean, <clears throat> for Skelly, that was kind of based on a voice that I would just do with my friends for fun. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it was, we we figured well if we're gonna have a talking skeleton he'd probably sound like this you know like this is kind of this seems like the voice a talking skeleton would have was sort of like part of the way we approached it and he was one of the first characters we put in actually like like really early on <laughs> Skelly was was a was a touchstone for like the sort of bounds of silliness of like like how silly will this game be at its extremes you know and yeah. Skelly was kind of a gauge of of Skelly and Hypnos were sort of like the the, the outer <laughs> outer bounds of that. And so it was based on this this voice that my friends and I would do and and um there was this you know the, the voice was kind of like this when we do it for each other, you know, it was more like that. But Skelly had to had to be more up because he had a lot of he was like higher energy, had a lot of information to give. So it ended up being like that kind of plus like a Joe Pesci or something. You know, it was like a you know Hey, give me all you got, boy. Oh, you know, uh, you, you know, like <laughs> it's kind of like a little more, eh, like a little yeah, skeletor, yeah, you know, yeah, a little skeletor in there, you know. You're getting pretty strong. I'll give you that, boy. Oh, strong enough to smack a guy like me right up against the wall, and I'd go straight to pieces. Boom. That was part of where that came from. You know, it was just sort of started in this place that was <laughs> just funny to us, and then, <laughs> you know, and yeah. then it ended up being uh, being a lot of fun to do, and and. um for Zagreus, that one, uh, I kind of happened into playing uh, actually, just because we we had done we'd we'd gotten some auditions back for the character, and and we had an idea of how he would sound, and we experimented with a lot of different things for him, and we tried him not being voiced, we tried him having you know just speaking with a kind of an American accent, we tried all sorts of different ideas yeah. there. And had several auditions come our way, and we had like a sense of what we wanted him to be like, um, but we hadn't heard an expression of it that was kind of nailed what we had in mind. So I, I thought, you know, I'll just try a scratch thing just to see if I can express the thing that I have in my head um, about this guy, and you know, things that were 
on our mind tonally were like Tom Hiddleston's Loki and like maybe like Carrie Elway's and the Princess Bride or like things like, you know, like stuff like that. Those kind of like had some, some sort of tonal, um, you know, pinpoints that we could try to try to figure out how to navigate around. Yeah. And so I, I did uh, a read of that stuff and, and, you know, people on the team liked it and we kind of put it in the game and to see how it would feel and people liked it. Mm. And we just kind of went with that. And I, I sort of assumed, I, I, I sort of assumed it would be replaced at some point by like when we got a real actor, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but then it just, like, I kept recording more and more and more. I was like, well, it's a lot, a lot of Zag stuff in here now. It's going to be hard to replace, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just kind of, kind of defaulted into it and it, yeah, it was a blast. I mean, and you know, I've been asked like, oh, was it, was it a bunch of extra work to record Zagreus? And, and the answer is kind of no, because I direct all the VO sessions anyway. Okay. So I would have had to be in those sessions if somebody else was doing it. <laughs> anyway, so it's kind of yeah. it kind of ended up being totally fine, and and there were a lot of benefits actually to having that character be like on team because Greg could write something, and I could just kind of go instantly record it, and we could have it in the game in an hour, you know, mm-hmm. from when he wrote it. Yeah, you know, so so um, that stuff was really cool to be able to turn that stuff around, especially in early access when we wanted sometimes to respond really quickly to things and, and, sure. and patch, patch stuff in. And um, I remember, I think it was our first or second update after we launched into early access when we introduced the Pact of Punishment. I think at that time it might have been called the Heat System. I forget. Okay. Um, but we wanted, we noticed that that there was players weren't really engaging with it because there wasn't a lot of incentive to do so, right? So we introduced the Skelly statues system. We wanted to introduce <laughs> that. So like it was like a day. It was like Jen did this awesome statue art. Yeah. Greg wrote a whole bunch of lines for Zag and Skelly to express this system and explain it. And I went and just recorded all of them real fast. Because you know, like Because I have both characters, yeah. <laughs> so I recorded, you know, it's probably like 60 or 100 lines or something that I, they exchanged wow. between the two of them that I went and recorded and just like got them all edited and chucked them in instantly. And then the next day we patched it into the game. <laughs> <laughs> You're just testing me here, right, Kieran? I mean, when you place a huge sum of coin conspicuously within my reach, what do you expect me to do? Now, do you record at home or you would go to a studio for that? So I, at the time I was recording from the office, we had a vocal booth at the okay. office kind of right next mm-hmm. to my desk and I would just pop into the booth and, and record yep. that stuff. Now I got to, you know, we had to, fin- I had to get a vocal booth in my house for finishing the project because uh, oh, we yeah. were from home for the last, you know, six months or so. And I had 3000 more Zagreus lines to record. So, uh, so I, <laughs> so I, so I had to get a vocal booth for that. Oh, what um, a trip. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, it's all, it's all just kind of at my desk, essentially next to my desk and, yeah. and I just pop into the booth when I got to record something and yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. I think, you know, if we had to go to a studio every time I was going to record stuff, it would we would have had to approach it a lot differently, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, and just like, uh, the previous super giant Darren Korb extravaganzas, we've got Ashley Barrett back. Oh yeah, singing. So, talk to me about the couple of tracks that she's on. Yeah, well, you know, it it, it was I I had a feeling that you know I knew we were doing Orpheus and 
And if we're going to do Orpheus, Eurydice seemed like we should probably do Eurydice. And, and you know, yeah. I, I'm glad we ended up going, going that route because um, it, it was really fun to write songs from their perspectives and to, to write kind of about that relationship and, and then to have them, you know, in the blood is sort of, you know, supposed to be one of their older, old hits, you know, is the yeah. sort of my, my idea, right, for that. Yeah. Um, and, and each of their, like, you know, I figured if Eurydice sort of brings out the best in Orpheus and is his muse, then that I really wanted that to to be reflected, you know, to try, try to have their sort of combined powers be greater than their separate ones, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. I mean, I, you know, I've, Orpheus has a couple of tunes that he's written kind of after the fact, right, by himself. Mm-hmm. And they have a particular vibe that's a little bit more uh, flowery, a little bit more um, formal feeling, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Eurydice has, I think, a more down-to-earth approach. Um, and uh, it, for, for lack of a better description. And so I wanted that to be reflected in the songs that they wrote. And... And that when they combine, it's sort of kind of maybe the best of both worlds. Uh, you know, the, mm-hmm, it's sort of mm-hmm. sort of the, the grandiosity of, of Orpheus with the sort of, you know, visceral kind of down-to-earth um, immediacy of, of Eurydice stuff. The Orpheus, you sang the singing, the Orpheus yep. tracks, yep. yeah, and yep. uh, um, uh, that's all falsetto, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, talk, talk about that because people might not know what that sure. means. Yeah, so, so you know, when when trying to decide what Orpheus was going to sound like, there's this character that's supposed to be the best musician ever, right? <laughs> you know, that moved the, their voice yeah. moved the gods to tears, right? So, yeah, so. I just, it was a really, it was just something that I needed creatively, I think, to um, allow me to progress. There was an angle on it instead of trying to approach it head on, which just seemed like folly to me, just like, I'm just going to write the best music and sing the best, you know, (laughs) it just seems like, it just seems like a hard, um, a hard way to approach that. And so uh, I wanted him to have an angelic ethereal quality to his voice mm-hmm. and you know i thought about like tom york's falsetto performance on like n- the song nude or you know stuff from in yeah. rainbows and stuff you know like like yep. all that stuff it really has that kind of vibe to me so i i kind of saw i saw <laughs> saw the way orpheus might sing as like a if tom york's falsetto like that kind of vibe. you know i wanted to kind of <laughs> draw on Tom York's yeah. falsetto particularly <laughs> yeah um for for the vibe of that stuff so yeah I mean and, and that's the idea yeah he sings completely in falsetto the whole time mm-hmm. um yeah. and, and 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 I I was like well he's gotta because it's this beautiful voice that would move the gods to tears it's just got to be this angelic sort of yeah pre- presence and that was my that was my my reasoning there yeah, yeah, it probably wouldn't be like a Johnny Hartman bass kind of sure, yeah. thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, it, yeah. those tracks are fun. Awesome. Farewell, 
Um, and I assume you wrote the lyrics, or do you have yes. help with the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wrote okay. the lyrics, yeah. Okay, nice. And then you also had a couple of guests on the track, The Unseen Ones, and they're special yes. guests. So tell yes. us about uh, those two characters. Yeah, you know, a fr- you know, I was sort of... It was right towards the end of the game. You know, that track came out with the 1.0 release of the game. And we were incorporating... We were incorporating Extreme Measures 4, which is the sort of ratcheted up insane uh, boss fight, essentially, of the end game boss fight. And I had already, I thought, turned the music up to the maximum intensity that I could. And so my original, <laughs> I, the original idea was like, well, I got to do something. I got to do something other. I have to like kind of go to make a left turn here. I can't just keep going up because there's no up. Yeah. Um, but then I thought, you know what? There is an up. The up is the up is like a four minute blistering guitar battle, um, <laughs> which I am not capable of playing. I'm not a virtuoso enough to to okay. to do to do all the necessary wheedlies that, that this is going to require. <laughs> yeah, um, and it would take me years to, you know, if I faked it and edited it all together, it would take me years <laughs> to assemble. I don't have years, so so I was asking asking around uh, some of my friends like do you know anybody who could pull off like a tornado of souls style 4 yeah. minute guitar battle so yeah situation and and uh, a friend of mine recommended these two incredible players uh just so amazing and and I I you know I I I sent them you know we we exchanged some facebook messages or whatever and I I, I was, they were into it. I sent them the back, the, the track, the backing track. And yeah. I kind of described like, so, you know, there's like two characters fighting and I kind of want to represent each character. Like one of you, like maybe kind of each represent a character and have this, you like have this fight and then you'd come together and play the same thing sometimes. And you know, and it'd be like a four minute, you know, yeah. it's like a big kind of ask. And, uh, and they're like, cool. And then they went like a, just like a day and a half or two days later or something. I was like, perfect. It was just, I had no notes. It was just exactly what you hear. They came back and delivered this, like, masterpiece, this guitar masterpiece. I was like, okay, got it. Thank you. Yeah. mentioned way back when we first started chatting about yeah. you know using some mediterranean folk instruments so i'm yeah. just curious what what you kind of got into in that realm yeah so at the beginning of the project i just did a lot of googling and and uh i ended up ordering i got a bazooki which is sort of like a nice. giant greek mandolin essentially and and uh it has it's kind of between a 12 string guitar and a mandolin kind of vibe and i uh i got that I picked up a uh, Balama, which um, I had traveled in Turkey like a while ago, like in 2005. I was in Turkey for a little bit, and um, and picked up uh, a Balama while I was there, but I couldn't bring it home with me for various <laughs> reasons because I, okay. I I ended up having to leave it there. But uh, so I so I was like, oh, I know that sounds cool. I'll get a Balama. So I got one of those, and uh, I ended up getting a Lavta as well, which is sort of like a Turkish lute that has frets like like a fretted okay. it's got seven strings with four courses like a bass note and then two three courses of two strings each that are doubled okay with nylon strings you know so it's got like a oh, nice a pretty weird interesting yeah. sound um 
And uh, it's very hard to keep in tune, but it sounds lovely. Um, and so, you know, those are the primary uh, instruments I use to kind of represent the Mediterranean folk thing. And I, you know, I cheated and incorporated a little mandolin in there too on, as, a, as a texture sometimes. Sure. Um, just to kind of layer on top. Yeah. But um, I was sort of, I knew that I didn't want to be beholden to only just Greek you know, just just bazooki, just just because I wanted like a pan Mediterranean sort of thing. Because if it was kind of, if you go back far enough, it was all kind of one thing. Yeah. Anyway, but but uh, and I also knew that I didn't, I wasn't going to try and do like ancient, actually ancient instruments because yeah, it, it just music has changed so much. Like like there's like an aulos and like uh, like things that were like five note, yeah. like little five note harps and stuff. It's just like yeah, or the mono chord. Or something. Yeah, yeah, it's just not. It's just like it didn't provide enough options for me creatively. Yeah. So I I decided like I looked at that stuff. I was like, okay, this is cool and interesting. I'll try and allow it to sink in and inform what I do. But but um, but I'm gonna try and do something that feels old relative to now but isn't necessarily ancient. music when you go talk to chaos um you know there's these uh, special holes that open and you can go talk to chaos and yeah uh the it's just again it's very like ethereal kind of where are you right now world and uh that that's fun how much the music changes there That's all. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Like, like that was a really fun piece to write because it was like, I basically want this to be cosmic, like yes. space space music. Essentially, it's like. Yep. So I, I I tried. I have like, you know, like a cheeky kind of reverbed out like slide, like delayed out slide guitar, like a la Space Oddity from David Bowie. You know, like uh, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I've got this sort of big, huge, spacey synthesizers and stuff, like, like, whooshy, like, you know, just kind of yeah. swirling chaos. And, and so, um, that was, and it was, it's, it's very, as far as the pieces go, that's one of the simplest ones. It's just a few chords and and it's, it's, you know, it's, there's no percussion. It's just, you know, it's all texture, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it was really fun to make. I made, I made that one like in an afternoon. It was super fun I oh, just wow. like yeah. I had the idea I was like okay here we go let's do it you know and <laughs> and now we're in a planetarium yeah yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah no it's great uh well what else do you want to add uh, about the game or the music or or anything I mean, I yeah, I I think you touched on it briefly before, but 
but uh, the music for this game was so much fun to make. It was such a delight. It was because <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I think it was the closest to stuff I might just do for fun anyway of all the games, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and uh, so that was cool. And for me, the sort of personal challenge of how hard, like how can I push my rock how can I push that more? Like even beyond the instinct of where I think that's enough, you know, I want, no, I want more than that, you know? (laughs) And like, how can I increase the quotient of rock um, in what I'm making and and looking for different ways to do that and try to just, you know, the, the goal was for a lot of those sort of biome pieces was very similar with each one. Like, like each one had a different vibe and a different approach Mm -hmm. to it and, you know, different details but the goal was sort of because the contexts are you know similar for a lot of that yep. stuff. So so the goal was really similar, which was just make like a really kind of badass feeling thing to fight to. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. how do I do that, right? fun to have to have um just so many stabs at that you know it was just i got to just kind of keep doing that and it was really fun it's a fun type of piece to make so um so yeah it was a blast and and i think in terms of just like the most fun maybe god of the dead was the most fun because it was it was sort of the ultimate expression of that it's like i just have to i have to rock as hard as i can that's my mission here how hard can I rock? I must rock that hard, you know? <laughs> well, it also ties everything together too, yes, right? And yeah. it's it's such a satisfying payoff to yeah. have that theme played out yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, I can see how that'd be yeah. a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a blast. And, and the, um, and I'll, I'll say, you know, the response to Hades has been really, um, incredible and overwhelming and mind blowing and, and just kind of, um, the way people have connected with the characters and the music and the story and the, and you know and all that stuff has been really um, incredible. And seeing people, you know, connect with Good Riddance in particular, or you know, songs songs from the game and and it's all the awesome covers I'm seeing. You know, it's just it's uh, it's really touching and and rad, especially given when the game came out. To yeah, to see that that people you know found uh, comfort a way to distract themselves from a lot of the real world atrocities and horrors that were <laughs> occurring during this time period yeah um, uh, it, it was really um, it felt really good to to hear about a lot of that stuff during this time because you know it's a you know it's, it's a tough time. And I was personally yeah. glad to have a thing that I was really b- deeply buried in 
working on for sure. the bit for the first six months or so of the pandemic because um you know it would have been i think a lot harder for me to cope with personally had i yeah. not had this project that i was this not just a project but a really exciting project that i was really invested in to mm-hmm. kind of throw myself at um that was helpful for me, I think, mentally and emotionally <laughs> at that time. seriously um so nice to see you and chat with you and always so great to hear uh your music and uh, you know i i tell you this every time but i i can't wait to hear what's coming next so (laughs) hopefully you're having on a little break right now maybe maybe not but yeah uh, yeah trying trying to take it easy you know as much as possible yeah (laughs) let's see how it goes yeah (laughs) glad to hear it all right darren well take care of yourself and um it's a pleasure yeah thank you so much Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Darren Korb, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Uh, while there's no video for this chat because of when it was recorded, it was recorded before we started doing that, so uh, there's not going to be a video of this particular chat. It is up on YouTube, though, and you can find other videos of ours up on YouTube as well. Please subscribe there to get all our new videos of interviews. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hello. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.